We're three days away from the NBA trade deadline, and believe it or not, things around the Sacramento Kings are getting quieter than they were a couple of weeks ago. There is growing concern amongst fans that maybe the team won't be able to find deals after all. Of course, so many deals that actually happen in the NBA, especially around trade deadline time, end up being deals that were never rumored or discussed even in the first place. Maybe the Kings are working on deals like that, and maybe one of those deals could include John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks. It seems unlikely at this point in time, but a lot can change over the next few days. And here to discuss a potential Kings and Hawks swap sending John Collins to Sacramento is my friend Brad Roland, host of the Locked on Hawks podcast. He joins me to discuss the likelihood of this trade, the Hawks' desperation or uh, urgency to move on from Collins, who they would want in return, pieces that they're interested in versus pieces they're not interested in, and just give us a general idea of where the Atlanta Hawks are at approaching this trade deadline. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Sports Media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering the Kings, formerly at Sacramento Sports Talk Radio, now with ABC 10 News and Television. And I hope you listened to and enjoyed yesterday's, Sunday's Locked on Kings podcast, where I finally played for you the compilation that I put together of uh, my optimistic and positive Kings takes from early on in the season and just before the season started that have aged horribly. I look like an absolute fool. I think it's funny. I think it's entertaining. If you haven't checked it out, go and watch that. Uh, I think it's very interesting. I also yesterday uh, talked about the idea of trading De'Aaron Fox and how if the Kings were to trade Fox, uh, that would be something that they have to live with when Fox, in my opinion, inevitably uh, goes on to another team and and thrives and and finds success. Uh, So I discussed all that on yesterday's pod for you to check out. Speaking of De'Aaron Fox, some Maybe positive Fox news today, as uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more in the podcast, but Fox was seen uh, working with the team in practice today. It looked like he was moving pretty good, so maybe he is very close uh, to a return and could be good to go for the Kings in their back-to-back games against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves coming up. So we'll have to wait and see with that again. I'll discuss that a little bit more uh, later on in the podcast. But right now, I've got to get to my conversation with Brad Roland. I know John Collins is a player uh, that Kings fans and the Kings themselves have kept an eye on and been interested in over the last couple of years. He certainly is a player that the Kings could really use, especially at that power forward position. But as Brad and I are going to discuss, I don't know how good of trade partners the Kings and Hawks are because of their current situations, where they're at uh, in the standings, and quite frankly, what they're looking to acquire in trades involving some of their bigger names. Is it possible that the Kings could get John Collins without trading one of Fox, Halliburton, or Davion Mitchell? Brad and I discuss it right here on Locked on Kings. 
There's been a long list of names on general manager Monty McNair's radar, a long list of names that Sacramento Kings fans would like to see the Kings acquire or at least try to acquire here at the fast approaching trade deadline. And one of the names that's been on that list, not just this season, but really for the last couple of seasons, a name that we've heard reports of the Kings having interest in is John Collins with the Atlanta Hawks. And here to talk about what is more than likely a unlikely trade between the, uh, the, the Kings and Hawks at this point for John Collins is Brad Roland, my guy from the host of the locked on Hawks podcast, Brad, welcome back to locked on Kings. My friend hope uh, your season's going well than ours is. We're hanging in there. It's been kind of a rocky one for the Hawks too. Obviously a little bit different than where, uh, where you are right now, but after a conference finals appearance, nobody's too thrilled around here either. Yeah, I understand that to some extent. Neither team kind of living up to expectations. Um, but can you kind of give us, before we we jump into a, a hypothetical Kings-Hawks trade conversation, can you give us a, a synopsis or a summary of the John Collins situation with the Atlanta Hawks right now? Because there have been ups and downs of John uh, isn't interested in coming back. There was a saga with he wanted to be paid more money and um, during contract negotiations. Where are the Hawks and Collins at at this point in time? It's pretty interesting, actually, just because he just got paid over the summer and he got a nine-figure deal, uh, and it, it's an appropriate contract for him. I think it's not it's not a bad contract. I think it's a pretty good value for him. If anything, the Hawks probably could have squeezed him even more. He was kind of dangling out there in the way that guys technically are in uh, restricted free agency sometimes where the market kind of dries up on you and you kind of have nowhere to go. And uh, I think, fortunately for Collins, Travis Schlenk, the uh, president of basketball operations for the Hawks, is a pretty kind and generous soul and did not squeeze him as hard as he probably could have in that negotiation. But, you know, five years and $125 million, it's a lot of money for Collins. Um, but, you know, within a few months of the season starting, and I think really it kind of goes back to where I was just talking about how the Hawks have been disappointing this year. There's some frustration that boils over, and he said some things in the media about how he's a little bit frustrated with his role at times on offense. That's kind of carried over from last year. You know, money doesn't fix everything. And he, 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 got, he got his money. And I think that there's been a split in terms of like what's real and what's not on on the Collins front. Like I think there's this notion in the, in the fan base and even maybe even nationally that Collins wants out. And I don't think I've ever heard that honestly. He's never said it. I've never heard that reported anywhere directly. Uh, I think he's available. That's for sure. I think everybody except for Trey Young is available. Um, Clint Capella is actually can't be traded, but I think Collins is available for the right price. He's been out there and Ben Simmons talks all that fun stuff. But I think that they don't have desperation to move him. I think they do like him. They understand how good he is. But it's a situation where he's not untouchable. And I think uh, there's probably a point in which both sides, I'm talking about the Hawks and Collins, would both be okay with him moving on, but not exactly a situation where he has to move on, if that makes sense. Yeah, that leads perfectly into my next question, which is I imagine there's no surprise in Atlanta that Collins' name has, has been brought up in rumors and in conversations. It's kind of an expectation really over the last couple of years uh, with him, at least from my perspective here on the other side of the country. Uh, but that perspective that you just provided, the him not necessarily saying that he wants out, no desperation from the Hawks to necessarily move him. Uh, am I right in assuming that if the Hawks are going to move on from Collins, it's going to be more because they're enticed by a deal and less of, man, we need to make a move. We need to make a change because we're just not performing right now. We're just not living up to expectations. That's my read. I do think that, uh, you know, before they won seven games in a row recently, there was a little bit more desperation on the whole around here. Not with, not only because of Collins, but with everybody that was other than Trey Young, everybody that's not tied down, basically, they would have considered a little bit more. They've been winning a little bit more, more recently. They had a couple of uh, losses this week. But I do think that 
I've been saying this for a while on my podcast. I'll be pretty surprised and I would say borderline shocked if they were to move Collins in a deal for smaller pieces or like mm-hmm. future facing pieces. It could happen. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know, Collins at a Ben Simmons trade, I can kind of see that. I can, I can understand what their thinking would be there. It's kind of risky because Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons and it's kind of a, a sort of an enigma out there right now. But at least with that, Ben Simmons has been a star level player before. I, I can't really see them, you know, trading Collins for a piece at a pick, something like that. And that's kind of a popular construction. And I, I get it on the outside because if you're looking at this Hawks team as a 500 team where they are right now, it might make, make, make more sense. But they were the conference finals last year and they do value this team at a higher level than they are right now. So I do think that if it's me, I mean, my own opinion of what I'm reading in the market right now, I think that if he is moved, it is far more likely to be as a part of a consolidation, like kind of push in the chips move than it is to just kind of trade him for smaller pieces. Is there more concern in Atlanta with delaying the inevitable, keeping Collins around maybe another season for the same thing kind of to happen and maybe his value, potentially you risk decreasing it? Or is there more concern about a a move trading John Collins right now might be jumping the gun a little bit when there still is time and capability to figure things out? I think that it's probably a little bit more of the latter. Like you don't want to panic too much here in the middle of what admittedly has been a frustrating season, but not one that I think is too indicative of the future. And honestly, if you look up and down the roster at like which guys have performed up to their capabilities this year, he's on the list of guys that actually has. He's played very well. And a lot of guys on their roster have either been either been hurt or performing under their baseline. And he is on a short list along with Trey Young, um, really as the two guys very clearly that have not been underperforming. So if you look at the roster, like the culpability factor of like what's gone wrong, it's not really been Collins. So that kind of leans you towards maybe being patient with him. You know, long-term, it's always been a question of like how he fits with Clint Capella, for instance, because Collins, for my money, is one of the best rim runners in the league. And on this current roster, he's been asked to shoot the ball more and space the floor more, all that kind of stuff. And you wouldn't drop a situation in the lab with Capella next to him. But I do think that being patient and not selling low on Collins would be smart. I think that he has a lot of value in the market. Look, they could trade him now and get proper value for him and still and still take a step back because he's really good and he's their second best player in my mind. So if they were to do that, um, you could maybe justify it in terms of like the actual return. But on the floor, I'd have a hard time seeing a deal for him. Again, it's not a push-in deal where they don't get worse. And right now, for better or worse, the Hawks want to compete. Mm-hmm. That, that, that might be irrational, but they're not – thinking of themselves as a playing contender. They're thinking of themselves as a team last year that was in the Final Four of the NBA. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Bilt Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, and thanks to Built Bar, it makes it easy. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. They've replaced candy bars for me, but... It doesn't taste like a replacement candy bar, if you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't tried Built Bars, you need to try them right now. I am a picky eater, especially when it comes to protein bars, protein-based products. Before Built Bar, I, I really had a, a trouble finding a bar that I tasted the actual you know, flavor profile and not the, the protein supplement or whatever's in there. Uh, I, I would taste that more than the chocolate bar that was being advertised, the vanilla bar that was being advertised to me. That's not an issue with Built Bar. They really replace candy bars because you taste chocolate you taste for me it's mint chocolate chip is my favorite you taste that minty flavor if you get a fruit bar you taste the fruit 
you really can't tell that you're eating something that is healthy for you. And built bars are healthy, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar that usually has over a 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's a massive improvement. There are so many uh, different bars for you to try, including a new bar for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. We might as well call that the Jason Williams bar. Uh, they're all delicious. New flavors coming out all the time. Some of the old reliable fla uh, flavors for you to try, uh, always available on built.com. When you order a box, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, gauging player value is always difficult. It's all speculation and, and really market value can change not just by the day, but by the hour, even by the minute, it seems when we get to this time of the year. Uh, I think the Kings and the Hawks are in very similar situations and there are actually a lot of teams in this situation as well to where they are willing to move on from talented pieces, but they're not such heavy sellers in the sense that they will give away that piece for could be assets, if that makes sense, like a draft pick. It could be something great, but there's always the risk factor to it when you're trading away somewhat a proven commodity in, in a player like John Collins. You know who Collins is. You know how talented he is. And if you're trading a player like Collins away for draft picks and a worse role player, it could work but there's always that element of risk to it. And that doesn't sound like a risk that the Hawks necessarily want to take. And to some extent, that's been an issue, a risk that the Kings haven't necessarily wanted to take in the conversations with, with De'Aaron Fox. Now, Fox has been way more available in recent months than I thought he was ever going to be at the start of the season. But I'm in the boat that you don't want to trade De'Aaron Fox unless you're getting a proven commodity. And it's really difficult to try and find deals to where you're getting equal or proper value for good uh, players right now when so many teams are looking to do the same. I say all that to say, Brad, that looking at a, a Kings-Hawks potential trade for John Collins, which I know there is interested in Sacramento, I personally would love the idea of John Collins in Sacramento. I look at these two rosters, I look at these two uh, teams in, in similar and also very different situations in, in, in multiple ways, and I say I don't see – this being an ideal partnership for any kind of trade that benefits both teams. I feel like one team would have to fold to the other kind of in order to make a deal like this happen. And I can't see either bending that much, especially Atlanta bending enough to trade John Collins away for assets that the Kings are willing to give up. That makes sense. And I think part of it, like I said before, is kind of where the Hawks mindset is. They're not in sell mode. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're kind of in a situation where if they're going to trade him mid season in particular, you look at the roster, and yes, they have Danilo Gallinari behind him at power forward, but Gallo is an expiring contract who's an older guy. They're, they would want to replace Collins. They, they don't want to sort of lose ground this season on their roster. And looking at what the Kings have, like, you know, the only guy I can see that would like not make the Hawks markedly worse would be a Harrison Barnes kind of swap. Mm -hmm. You know, Barnes being the combo forward type. Um, I'm not sure that he's exactly what Nate McMillan wants as a power forward, if that's what his primary position would be. And obviously he's an older guy. It's kind of a weird move to kind of think about those guys going back and forth for each other. And I almost think that if you're looking at Collins destinations, like it almost makes more sense in the off season. If things have not gone well for the Hawks, um, maybe especially with, with the Kings, just because, all right, we've not seen this for a full year. Again, you look, you look at the market and kind of assess things and like, all right, maybe this makes sense to kind of sell him now. But mid season, I just, I have a hard time seeing the Hawks trading Collins without a ready-made plan at power forward which might seem like nitpicking for a team that is under 500 right now, but that's just kind of where they are. Like, especially with, they have a win now coach. They have not, not a win now roster necessarily. They're still pretty young, 
But I think the only guy, like, like, like I said, the only guy on the team on the Kings roster that I can see the, the, both matches, the salary kind of stuff, and also gives the Hawks a guy that they would trust enough to like start right now is Harrison Barnes. And, you know, the Hawks would be getting older. Barnes is a good player, but he kind of is du- duplicative of DeAndre Hunter in some ways. I don't know. There's lots of nuance there, but I mean, am I wrong here? I can't see another guy that I think the Hawks would value enough in terms of on-court value now to kind of be the centerpiece of that kind of deal. I think you're spot on. And and that, to me, was thinking about this conversation, thinking about a hypothetical trade. That was the only thing that made any remote sense. I think the Kings would obviously try to get Collins without trading away any of their Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell three-guard combo, even if they're not entirely sure, as none of us are entirely sure that that three-guard combo is going to work. And we don't know if Fox or Halliburton or Mitchell are going to be around long-term for the Kings to try and figure this situation out. But if they could add a Collins to at least a Fox and Halliburton combo, maybe that can turn into something. That being said, in order to acquire talent, you have to trade talent away. So the only thing that made sense in my mind was a Harrison Barnes type deal. Even if the Kings were willing to move on from De'Aaron Fox, how much does that make sense for an Atlanta Hawks team that already is pretty guard stacked and, and they have their their primary ball handler and and, and player and Trey Young, who I would argue, I mean, I think it's I don't think it's that big of an argument at all, actually, that Trey Young has surpassed De'Aaron Fox in terms of skill and importance to a team and 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 obvious success. Um so I, I kind of dismissed that element, and I'm sure the Hawks would have interest in Tyrese Halliburton, as every team should have interest in Tyrese, but he's, if there's an untouchable player in Sacramento, he is that guy. Um, so Harrison is the one that makes the most sense. But my question is now thinking from an Atlanta Hawks standpoint, if I was an advisor to you and to the Hawks, I'd say, you could probably get better than that. Even if I like HB a lot, and I think HB could really help the Atlanta Hawks, the Kings would have to attach something with Barnes to even get the conversation rolling, I feel like, in a, in a Barnes Collins trade. As much as the money works right away, there's no way that that trade happens without at least first-round picks attached to it. And given the situation the Kings right now in a in a suddenly a draft lottery race again, I don't know how willing they are to, uh, uh, to move on from a pick that's not heavily protected. No, I totally agree. I think that Barnes is a good player, but in terms of like trade value, Collins... I think has more than Barnes does right now, just given the age and the long-term control and all that stuff. Um, you know, obviously I think if the Kings were to call on Collins, the first name Travis Swank says is Tyrese Halliburton and then the Kings say no. And then they, and then they have to restart. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I would think the deal would, would, ha- would have to be. The Fox thing is interesting, uh, not for the Hawks, but maybe a three team kind of deal. If they were to, I, I, don't, I have no idea who the third team would be, but maybe if, if Fox was the guy, obviously he doesn't have the same value to the Hawks. So yeah, you come back around and it's like, all right, Harrison Barnes and what else and I don't really see the path necessarily to a deal that makes sense for both sides and like you said if you're the Hawks I think that you can probably do better than that honestly people have asked me locally like can the Hawks trade for Harrison Barnes like how open is he without Collins like one of those deals where the Hawks are trying to buy because as you well know like the Kings are a team that people are like not sure what they're going to do are they going to finally sell on Harrison Barnes I have no idea what they're going to do in the coming days but that's that's the guy that I hear from but it's not for Collins it's like what can we trade to add Harrison Barnes alongside Collins, that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to me, but I, I think I think at the end of the day, it's like that that swap doesn't make a ton of sense for the Hawks. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of Locked on Kings brought to you by our friends at Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before in the NBA. And as football continues the approach to the big game happening next Sunday, uh, BetOnline is the number one spot for you to bet on all of your sports uh, and get all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not 
just football. Bet Online, of course, has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL hockey, boxing, UFC, along with live real time updates of current games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers available for the 2022 season at Bet Online, where the game starts. And that's where the Cam Reddish thing, I think, changed the prospects of a Kings and Hawks trade, because I know there is interest in Sacramento for Cam Reddish and considering the deal that was done between the Hawks and the the Knicks, I know there's disappointment amongst Kings fans that that's really all of it, all that it took to get Reddish, even though he's riding the pine for a coach that now allegedly <laughs> never even wanted him in the first place, which I think is ridiculous uh, with Thibs and the New York Knicks, but that's a different thing entirely. Reddish is one of those guys where I could have seen a hypothetical, okay, you want Harrison Barnes, you take back that young player and Cam, and Cam Reddish, maybe a future protected pick on uh, in addition to that if the Kings take Gallinari. I don't know how it would have worked, but that seems more approachable and possible than any idea of a Harrison Barnes uh, and um, and John Collins swap to me, if the Kings are going to need to sweeten that pot, it's going to have to be draft picks. And then I wanted to broach your, your thoughts on the idea of you're talking about a replacement at the four Marvin Bagley is in desperate need of a change of scenery, just period. And I still think that Marvin has a lot to offer a team. I would not be surprised at all if Marvin gets a change of scenery and turns into something good. He's never going to live up to a number two overall pick. I don't even know if he's a starter in the NBA. But what I do know is he has the talent, just raw talent alone, to put up 16 points and 8, 9, 10 rebounds a night just because of, of the player that he is. He won't play really a lick of defense and he might miss half the season. You just never know with him. And those are obviously major question marks. But if the Kings were to attach a Marvin Bagley to a Harrison Barnes financially, it wouldn't work initially. So the Kings would need to take something back in addition uh, to that. What kind of player would you see? Well, first off, would the Hawks have any interest in that in your mind? And two, what kind of player would the Hawks be willing to attach to that deal that could make it make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, and I'm sure you've thought about this and talked about it all the time, but like, is Marvin Bagley a positive on his contract? I would, I would guess no, on, a, on an expiring deal, just because he's making real money this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think it's a total lost cause of Marvin Bagley, but in terms of like him as a trade asset, I don't. I think if he had any, if he, I think if he had much value, he'd already be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the thing. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. pretty obvious to everyone the Kings want to move him, and they haven't been able to do it yet. Um, yeah, maybe I think as a sweetener, as a guy to take a look at, mm-hmm. kind of in the same way the Hawks just did with Kevin Knox in mm-hmm. the Reddish trade, where the deal was not about Kevin Knox, but the deal was about the first round pick. But they they got Kevin Knox as another body, a young guy, former lottery pick to like look at for a few months, and maybe that looks like that with with Bagley too. But I don't think that's going to make the deal sweeter that much for the Hawks. I think it's more of like he's kind of a throw in to maybe do some salary matching, some weirdness, like maybe send a, maybe send somebody back that makes some money like you know, Lou Williams or whatever, get up to get the to get the balance to work money money wise. But I don't really I, I would expect the Hawks to be like super pro buying on Marvin Bagley as a sweetener. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he's just a really not not to derail the podcast, but kind of just an interesting enigma of a piece, which I'm sure you talk about all the time. Like yeah. what do you do with him at this point? Like the expiring nature of his contract, the talent, all that stuff. So uh, I guess Godspeed on that one. It makes it a little bit easier too, Brad, that um, there are there are incentives essentially in his contract or, or there's part of his contract that if he doesn't start a certain amount of games or play 2,000 minutes this season, that his qualifying offer that is at 14 million, which is ridiculous, uh, is going to be cut in half to seven. So that might change some teams interest in, okay, we can acquire him, offer him that $7 million deal get him for cheap for one year to see what we have. And maybe 7 million isn't even cheap for Marvin or let him test the market and see if we can match even um, a smaller offer. If a team uh, gives that. So I don't know if that changes your, the Hawks interest uh, level at all with that. 
Um, but I'm not surprised where this conversation went. I am interested in the fact that you think if there is a trade to be had amongst the the Hawks and Kings genuinely or generally around Harrison Barnes, that that is more possible in the offseason than it is uh, here at the trade deadline. So that's something maybe to revisit. It sounds like the Hawks are more than co- uh, comfortable hanging on to Collins, at least short term. But to wrap up, if they're was an inkling that you had a feeling that you had of if Collins is to be traded, this is a team that is a serious player. or This is a likely destination for him. Are there any names out of curiosity or any teams out there that you think are, are possible likely uh, landing destinations for him? Yeah, I've really had a hard time with this just because other than the Ben Simmons rumors, there haven't, there haven't been actual like links, linked teams to Collins. It's like, it's kind of always in the background. Like there are multiple teams that would like John Collins, uh, he's a positive value contract, but the teams that have been linked to him are like the Spurs and the Spurs are the biggest, like they don't say anything about anything. So it's mm-hmm. like, how interested are they? They wanted him last year in, in free agency, but couldn't uh, clear the money to sign him. Dallas loves John Collins, but they had nothing to trade. Like mm-hmm. there's, if you look at that, it's kind of, it's almost, it's almost worse than the King situation in terms of like, I cannot come up with a deal with, with the Mavericks. I know mm-hmm. that I know they want him, but like, what are you going to trade? There's nothing, there's nothing there. So, I mean, Short of a Ben Simmons thing, I really have a hard time like pinpointing a team. Maybe I'll say the Spurs just because they do have pieces and they have reported interest, but they're so buttoned up that I, I don't even know what the deal looks like. It's like Derek White and other assets, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the Hawks have found the urgency point to go ahead and do that to where like people that ask me, I still assume they're not going to trade him. Now, if they do, I won't be bowled over. But anybody that asks me, and for the last couple of weeks, especially, and especially now in the next couple of days, I'm going to guess he's not traded before the deadline. Um, that's been my stock answer. And until something, uh, I guess a new rumor pops up or something like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay there and assume it's not going to happen. Well, Brad, if we are shocked by a Kings and, uh, and and Hawks trade, even if it has nothing to do with John Collins on Thursday, uh, we'll be sure to revisit it and, and get together again and discuss it. I appreciate you taking the time during this uh, this busy week. Best of luck to the Hawks the remainder of the season. You don't have to wish the Kings luck. It wouldn't help us anyway, uh, but I appreciate you taking the time, boss. Best of luck in the lottery, though. That's important. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> Every it, it, year. Listen, eventually it's going to work out. I, I have faith. I have faith in you. And honestly, I, I find myself rooting for the Kings sometimes because it's just it's been so long. I have fan, I have Kings fan friends. It's just it's kind of brutal. So I, I do send uh, positive vibes your way. Really appreciate Brad joining me here on today's Locked On Kings podcast. As I expected, doesn't sound like a Kings and Hawks trade is likely, although. I was interested to hear that there's a good chance that if the Kings were to sit on their hands, not move Harrison Barnes and the Hawks were not to move John Collins, this or this, uh, this trade deadline, that maybe it could be a conversation that's revisited on in the off season, especially around the draft. That's something certainly to keep an eye uh, and an ear on. If the Kings aren't able to make that move, of course, we're all impatient. We would all love to see the Kings make the move sooner rather than later. We'd love the Kings to have the opportunity to get Collins comfortable with this roster throughout the remainder of this season, if at all possible. But I question the Kings willingness to attach the picks and assets to Barnes that it would take to entice the Hawks uh, to make the move right now. And from what Brad explains it doesn't sound like the sense of urgency to move Collins is as high as maybe reports have suggested or maybe we might think here uh, from our Sacramento perspective so I really appreciate Brad joining me on Locked on Kings to give us that perspective Uh, if anything happens between the Kings and the Hawks uh, at the trade deadline we of course will come back together and then revisit it and discuss it Um, but I would honestly if there's like a tier of likely targets for the Kings to actually acquire John Collins is significantly below guys like Jeremy Grant and even Julius Randle 
Uh, I think Jeremy Grant sounds like at least reports would indicate is close to the top of the Kings list of assets they're interested in that are, that are acquirable. But I encourage people um, to not just think that what's being reported is the only thing that is going on or the only calls that Monty McNair is making. So many moves happen in the NBA, not just in Sacramento, but the NBA period that were never reported. We got no wind of them happening. I remember like, remember the Rudy Gay trade, uh, maybe the only positive move that Pete D'Alessandro did in his time uh, with the Sacramento Kings as the general manager years ago. Rudy Gay, that trade with the Toronto Raptors came out of freaking nowhere, ended up being a really, really solid move for the Kings, a move that the Kings big time one, in my opinion. Of course, long term, Rudy didn't end up working out in Sacramento, but he was one of the best small forwards that they've had uh, in their entire existence here in Sacramento, at least scoring wise. Um, that was a move that came out of nowhere. So things like that are possible. There could be players that the Kings end up acquiring that are good players that we didn't even have on our radar, didn't even think about, didn't even discuss, didn't even know available. Uh, so keep an eye out um, for trades that might surprise you a little bit. Whatever happens, of course, we'll discuss it here on Locked on Kings. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast some some positive video and some positive news out of Kings practice. Looks like De'Aaron Fox was out there working with the guards, working with the team, uh, moving well, dunking off of two feet, dunking off of one foot, moving uh, despite that, that ankle soreness that he's been a game-time decision with really for the past couple of weeks. Um, it sounds like to me, and I, I've shared this before, my indications are that the Kings aren't holding Fox back, that Fox is kind of in charge of, of when he's able to go. And it's basically up to pain tolerance at this point. If he feels like he's, uh, good to go, he can make that call and the Kings will clear him and, and, and put him in. Um, if not, then he'll continue to sit out. And I think that's disappointing if he continues to sit out. I, I was on with uh, D'Lo and KC on ESPN 1320 today. And basically the thing that I said is, as as bothered as I am right now not to see Fox playing, I'm not going to be really overly concerned until February 11th comes around. If De'Aaron Fox is still on the team and he's still missing games because of an ankle injury, I'll be concerned either one, that he's just actively quitting on the season and choosing not to play, or two, the injury is worse than what we are being told that it is. So uh, time will tell what that. We'll revisit that conversation a little bit later. But as for what we saw and heard from practice, looks like he's good to go and he could be available uh, for the Kings finally against the um, Minneapolis uh, or Minnesota, rather, uh, Timberwolves. And if that's the case, you have heard me talk about recently, I would love to see the Kings run a three-guard lineup of Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell, play them a lot together, and see what happens. If you lose, who cares? If you win, great. Like, Just see what happens uh, with that three-guard lineup if Fox is available. But we'll see what uh, Alvin Gentry and the Kings want to do with that, especially with how different this roster looks, hopefully, God, I hope, uh, come the uh, the uh, uh, trade deadline and after the trade deadline. So we'll have to wait and see with that. Of course, uh, news, too, that uh, both Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell will be uh, – performing in the rising stars challenge and will be against one another. And I think Davion and, and Tyrese were talking a little smack to the media after practice today. Davion saying that he was a hundred percent going to lock up uh, Tyrese. So going to be fun to see those two commit uh, compete. At least the Kings have some representation of all-star weekend, although it would be nice for the Kings to, uh, one day have legitimate representation in the all-star game itself and not just the rising stars challenge uh, every single year. It feels like, but 
we'll see what happens uh, with that and any other news and any other things that go down here. Of course, we'll discuss it on Locked on Kings. Appreciate your support of Locked on Kings. Now I want to hear from you, your thoughts on a potential John Collins deal. If you're interested in John, if you've kind of let that ship sail and not aren't necessarily interested, uh, what kind of trade package you would try to put together right now to entice the Hawks to trade for Collins, send that to me at Matt George Sack on Twitter at MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com uh, or uh, feel free to leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Appreciate your support of the podcast as always. Can't wait to chat with you tomorrow where uh, unfortunately we're already looking towards the draft and I have scheduled to or I'm scheduled to be joined by Rafael Barlow who's one of our um, draft insiders for the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. He joined me a lot last summer and last offseason. Uh, he'll be joining me here in season to give us an early preview of this uh, upcoming draft class to give Kings fans an idea of names to keep an eye out for that the Kings could potentially be interested in and what range of picks that they would go if the Kings need to tank hard for a player that would be a perfect hit, uh, fit or not at the top of the draft. We'll discuss it all with Raphael tomorrow, so I hope you'll join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.